serious. Yeah, sit, just sit there and eat an ice cream. Uh, welcome. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're at the end of a series, uh, Konuhi ki te Konuhi Face to Face. Um, <clears throat> face to Face. First thing I just want to start is I'm going to just read Ezekiel 39.29 and it says, sorry, it says, and I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord. Sorry, I just need a retract just before we go there. Um, so Josh is eating a tip-top ice cream. It's called a Rocky Road. Uh, it's got strawberry, creamy strawberry ice cream, smothered in delicious biscuit crumbs. It's 90 mils. And as Lydia's taught my wife, I actually have to read the sugar content on the back. Um, I can't even see. Just lots of sugar, obviously, because it's an... Oh, there we go. Sugar is 13.7 grams. It's made in New Zealand. There's no palm oil. Olive natural... Oh, sorry. Only natural colors. Fresh New Zealand milk and cream. And put your rubbish in the bin. Best before date is the 28th of the 2nd, 2021. Cool. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Ezekiel 39.29 says... And I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I, shall, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord. What does this mean? <clears throat> it means this. When there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we encounter his face. They are one and the same. Or, another way you could put it is, God's face is revealed in the outpouring of of the Holy Spirit. What does the outpouring of the Holy Spirit look like? It'll look like this. People in, our, people in the church sitting where we are will be overcome with extreme joy. People will be weeping. People will shake and tremble. There will be dreams and visions. There will be a manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, including speaking in tongues and prophecy. And when this happens, what we must understand is that our response to a move of the Holy Spirit is not a response to manifestations, but rather we are responding to the face of God. I'm telling you this now because this will happen in our house. And so when it comes, what we want to do is we want to be ready for it because we also want to expect it. And if we can ready our hearts now, I'm telling you that now, like a seed, I just want to drop it in people's hearts and in their minds this morning to understand that that's where the bride of Christ is going. 
And we need to take it in our hearts so that God can grow that, so that when it comes, we don't destroy what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Shot. Right on, mate. Uh, take your rubbish with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Uh, everyone give a round of applause for Josh. <clears throat> okay. In the beginning, there was man, Adam and Eve, and we were created to fellowship with God. We were placed in the garden, tasked with looking after the garden. The garden was where heaven touched earth. And our mandate, our co-papa, was to extend the garden all over the earth, therefore causing heaven to also be all over the earth. We disobeyed God. <clears throat> and when we did this, we changed mode. We are created with a default mode. And that is God and man in a relationship. Before our disobedience, it is God and man, default mode. After our disobedience, it became God, sin, man. But what didn't change was our default mode. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, removing sin between God and man. <clears throat> What's my point? We are created to relationship with God. It's our default mode. So if we were created to relationship with God, it also means God wants to relationship with us. We don't become Christians. God changes what we have become and returns us to our default mode. If we look at our phone, <clears throat> our phone sometimes has too much going on and we have to reset it to its factory settings so that it can, be, so that it can do what it was created to do. God has a reset factory setting in each and every one of us. I'm saying this because I think sometimes as Christians what we think is we, find it, we think that it's too hard to become a Christian. And what I'm trying to say is, no, it's not too hard to become a Christian because your natural default mode is God created you and I to have a relationship with him. And that hasn't changed. In spite of the fact that sin has entered, it still hasn't changed. That the default mode in you and I is God created us to have a relationship with him. My biggest relationship out of, outside of God is my wife, Leanne. <clears throat> I love her now more than when we first got married. I'm a better husband now than I was two years ago. It's not always easy being married to Leanne. Wait, hang on, just hold you. Oh my gosh. I get some things wrong. And many a times I've had to change for the sake of our relationship. There are heaps of benefits being married to Lee. She adds value to my life and the things in my life. Leanne completes me. And marriage has taught me 
what I put into it is what we will get out of it. In many ways, being a Christian is the same. I love God more now than when I did when I first became a Christian. I'm a better person now than when I was two years ago. It's not always easy being a Christian. And as a Christian, I get things wrong. And many a times, I've had to change for the sake of our relationship. There are heaps of benefits to being a Christian. God adds value to my life and the things in my life. Jesus completes me. And being a Christian has taught me what I put into it is what I will get out of it. And bringing this message this morning, my heart is for each and every one of us in this room, is that we would have such an encounter with God that you and I would never ever be the same again. That the things of this world would become meaningless. And that our encounter, encounters, that we would have with God would mark us in such a way that everywhere that you and I go, people, places, and situations are changed. And that's, that's my heart. It's my heart for me. It's my heart for my wife, for my children. And that's the heart I have for each and every one of us. The Bible is full of people that had life-changing encounters. Genesis 18. God appeared to Abraham as three travelers. <clears throat> in the heat of the day, Abraham is sitting in the shade of a tree. Three travelers happen upon Abraham. He does not know that they are the Lord, and Abraham hastens to feed them. What can we learn from this encounter? God can appear anytime. God doesn't need a Christian setting to appear to you. Genesis 28, God appears to Jacob in a dream. Jacob is on the run from his brother, comes to a certain place, goes to sleep, and dreams. And in his dream, God reveals himself to Jacob. When Jacob wakes up, he says, The Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. What can we learn from this encounter? It will not always be obvious that God is present. Exodus 3, God appears to Moses. Moses is living in this place called Midian. He's been here for about 40 years. He's a shepherd. When he sees a burning bush in the distance... The Bible says Moses turned aside to investigate the burning bush. Here's a side note. Burning bushes in North Africa are a common thing. It is a plant called Dictamanus albus. It is wrong for us to assume that Moses was out doing his thing, comes across a burning bush in front of him, and has this encounter with God. In reality, Moses is doing his thing over here. Over there is where the burning bushes were, which, just like I said, it is not an unusual sight to be seen in North Africa. 
What was unusual about this bush, the Bible says, is that it wasn't getting burnt up. So what can we learn from this encounter? That there won't be neon flashing lights pointing to the encounter. And that like Moses, we have to turn away from what we are doing or we will miss it. I just want to stop here and just... So Moses, he's doing his thing over here and he's looking after sheep. He's been there for about 40 years because he did something he shouldn't have done in Egypt. Over there is the burning bush. We can easily be misread into thinking that what had happened is, is, is that God had ordained it in such a way that Moses was going to trip over this burning bush so that God could have an encounter with Moses. And I actually don't believe that the way that it's written in the Word, that that's actually how it was set out. I think that Moses had a part to play. And the reason why I want to make this a bit of a point is, is that so that each and every one of us might, might not miss the point. Because here's the point. If Moses didn't go and investigate, if Moses didn't stop doing what he was doing, he missed the encounter. We need to be okay to go out of our way. I think sometimes, you know, we, we expect God just to line everything up. Because we operate that way. We're people, and it makes it easier for us. And I guess in my journey, what I've learned is, 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 is that, yes, there are times when God lines it up, but there are also times when it's like God hides things. And he's not hiding them from me. He's hiding them for me. And as an example of that is when our kids were young, one of the things that we liked to do with them was that at Easter was actually hide Easter eggs. We could have walked up to them and made it very easy and went, here's your Easter eggs. They would have loved it. They would have thought that was really, really cool. Or we could have sent them on an adventure. And we sent them on an adventure. And the expression that they have on their face when they find an Easter egg is just like, and any, as any parent knows, you know, it's priceless. And I'm just saying that because God doesn't hide things to keep them away from you. He hides them for you. But it means that just like the boys could have sat on our deck and went, we're not moving from here because we want you to make it easy for us. We, had to be, we have to be like them and actually go out and find it. And yes, you know what? There are things, that there are plants, there are rocks that they're going to turn over to find that they're not there. But God is such a good God. He's such a loving God that the reality is, is still what you're looking for is there. And yes, I'm going to be honest, it was messy. There was a nice plant. My mother gave me that plant. It's not in the planter anymore. And so you know what? And I'm just saying that sometimes with God, things are messy. And we need to be okay with that. Isaiah chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, I don't have my Bible, it's a church, Rob. But if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> and I'm just going to read. In the, in the year that King Uriel died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Ab above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, 
Who, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So what can we learn from Isaiah's encounter with God? Verse 1. In the year that King Uriel died. You know what? I'm going to be honest. Sometimes something of us has to die. I just want to say that again. Something of us sometimes has to die. And you'll know what bit that is. It'll be the very bit that you don't want to die. What else can we learn from Isaiah's encounter? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So this is what we can learn in an encounter with God. God is holy. Woe to me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. When we have an encounter with God, we're going to get a revelation of the wrong that is in us. When we have an encounter with God, we're going to get this natural revelation of the stuff that's wrong that's in us. What else can we learn from this? This is what we can learn, that in spite of our wrong, He can still encounter us. See, what I used to do, and this is, this is how I used to come to church, and I'm going to use a shower and a bath as an example, was that when I came to church, before I came to church, is, is that I wanted to be clean. So I would pray, God, clean me, wash me with the blood of Jesus Christ, so that when I came into church, that I was clean. What I didn't get and what I didn't understand is, is, is actually, gee, I boo-booed that up. When I... What I, what I was trying to do, let me, let me restart. What I was trying to do was I was actually trying to clean myself before I came to church. What I was trying to do is I was trying to clean myself before I came to God. What I didn't realize, but I do know now, is, is actually in reality, is, is, is actually I can come just as I am. So I was the Christian that didn't want to get close to God because I didn't need anybody to tell me what's wrong in my life. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. We don't need people to tell us what's wrong in our lives. We already know. But what we do is just like when God came to visit Adam and Eve in the garden, he goes, Adam, Adam, where are you? All right, and Adam was hiding. So what happens is, is that we know that we're not clean. We, we understand to a certain point that God is a holy God. When that holiness comes close to us, what we do is we have a tendency to go hide. And that's, that was me. And I kept hiding from God. And I just want to say that because I don't know who, out, who that fits this morning. But what I want to say is, is that what I've learned, what I understand is, is, is actually, no, no, he doesn't want me to hide from him because he's standing there with the soap going, I can clean you. I can clean you through the blood of Jesus Christ. No, no, God, you don't understand. I've done it again. Well, hang on. Actually, when I use that word again, God scratches his head and he looks at me and he's, he doesn't understand the word again when I say I've done it again. Because when I ask God to forgive me here, so if I go, God, please, I've picked my nose and I've eaten it, and I ask God here to forgive me. He forgives me because that's what he says. All right, two hours later, guess what? I've picked my nose. I come back to God and I say, God, I've done it again. He's looking at me going, why did you say again? In my mind, I remember this situation over here, but in his it's not. 
It's blocked. It's been cleaned by the blood of Jesus Christ. So is God a holy God? Yes. Does he not like sin? Yes, he hates sin. But what I've learned is actually sin is not an excuse to not encounter God. Because he'll clean me up, just like he did with Isaiah. He knew. Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> Saul is charged. Saul is charged with seeing the small Christian community destroyed. He's riding on a horse near Damascus, Damascus when suddenly a light from heaven shines around him. He falls to the ground and the Lord speaks to him. Saul starts to understand that the very work that he thought he was doing for God was actually working against God. The voice is silent, the light is gone, and Saul stands up and he is now blind. In verse 18 of chapter 9, it says Saul is being prayed for by a Christian and immediately something like scales come from his eyes. What can we learn from this encounter? For some, God's going to knock you off your high horse. What high horse? Yeah, you know, the one where you can't be told. The one where you're like, you know, I know. What else can we learn from this encounter? We can learn that when we encounter God, we will understand what is God's work and what is ours. And that is really important to know the difference between what God is doing and what you're doing. Because the Bible goes on to say that all our works, everything that we do in the name of Jesus, for the love of Jesus, for this and for that, if God's not in it, what he says is it actually burns away. And then there's another scripture in Psalms, and he says, actually, I look upon it like filthy rags. And it's important, it's important that we know what God's work is and the difference between what ours is. Because our work, yours and my work, it's nothing. In verse 18, Saul is being prayed for, and scales come from his eyes. What can we learn from that? We will see things differently. You know, there's, we've said it in here. When you come to church, you'll come in one way and you'll go out the other. And, and it doesn't mean to say that what will happen is you'll walk in that door and walk out that door there. It's not a physical thing. It's a mind shift thing. That the way we see life, the way we see ourselves, our family, our community, our God, the way that we walk in isn't the same. When we walk out, there's something in that has changed. And if not, then you know what? You didn't encounter God. Oh, he's not in, the, he's not in that place. But he's in this place. These are just a few of the people who have encountered God in the Bible. I had the privilege of coaching rugby. And as a coach, you have to equip yourself to be able to coach. And as the years pass, you begin to build a valuable wealth of knowledge. You perfect your trade and you hone your skills. You begin to work out what does work and what doesn't work. You create an environment where those you are coaching can succeed. And as the years pass, you become quite an adequate coach. 
So that's me, the coach. Then you have the players. And the players, they come in all sorts of ways. You have the players that are very good. You have the players that are very good but don't share the ball. You have players that lack confidence. You have players that talk while you're talking. You have players that are always late. You have players with the wrong attitude. And then you have those players that are an absolute joy to coach. After nine years of coaching, these are some of the things that I learned. It was the attitude of the player that determined what sort of season they had. If they had a bad attitude and they were hard to coach, they tend to make more mistakes on the field and then they didn't end up having a good year. It was okay to be talented, but your attitude needed to be, we are a team. Nothing worse than to watch a talented player do something great and then instead of doing the right thing, they do their own thing and it becomes costly. And then at the end of the season, they're the ones that blame their teammates for their mistakes. You've got the player that is apathetic during training and then makes mistakes during the game. And then and then they wonder why nobody passes them the ball. You have the player that lacks confidence and no matter what and when it's game time, they position themselves so that they don't receive the ball or make a tackle. The player that in spite of their ability takes on board what you say, they do as you've trained, they always have a great season. Here's my point. If God is our coach, what sort of attitude as a player or a Christian do you have? Do I have? Because that will determine what sort of season or life you have. As a, as a coach, if you tell players that they won't win, you set your team up for failure. What a player believes about the game will determine their attitude and therefore their behavior. I shared about Abraham, Jacob, Isaiah, and Saul. They are all biblical people who encountered God. But if you and I as a Christian believe that face-to-face -face encounters are only in the past or for special people or can only be found in the Bible then our belief will determine our attitude. Our attitude will be one of where we don't desire or expect face-to-face -face encounters. And therefore, our behavior will lead us to a life where we didn't encounter God. So here's the truth. God desires to have a face-to-face... -face, here's the truth. God desires to have a face-to-face -face encounter with anyone who desires it. God desires to have a face-to-face -face encounter with anyone who desires it. God desires to have a face-to-face -face encounter with anyone who desires it. In this room, we're at different stages of our walk with Jesus, and that's okay. And I say this because not everyone will be going rushing home praying for an encounter. But I believe that just as I, after 19 years of marriage, want to grow more in love with Leanne, 
wanting to get closer still. I don't want to just love or hang out with Leanne on a Sunday or talk to her once a day or just read about her or love her from a distance. If I'm okay with any of those things, then I have not understood what a marriage really is. Then the same must be said as a follower of Christ. If I am happy with anything less than a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, then I have misunderstood the relationship God desires to have with me. As a coach, I did everything possibly human to resource the players to be the best player that they could be. What I couldn't control was the player's attitude. And if at the end of the season they fell short, it was their fault, not mine. If we as Christians have a walk that is not empowering, overcoming, fulfilling, filled with wonder and supernatural, that's not God's fault. That's mine, it's yours. Ice cream. Oh, yeah. Okay, we saw ice cream consumed in two different ways this morning. We had Josh up there and he was eating this. And then we've got this ice cream that's in here that's getting all mushy. I think that sometimes as Christians that we come to church in this manner too. For some... We need to know the ins and outs. I read the instructions on the wrapper. So for some, we need to know the ins and outs. For some, we think that just because we are in the building, that we have had a God experience. For some, we think that having collecting information about knowing his principles is knowing God. Josh. Would you have rather have eaten the ice cream and experienced it that way, or would you have rather me have read you all the instructions on the piece of paper so that you can experience the ice cream that way? Eating it. Presence always wins over principles. When we encounter his presence, transformation happens that goes beyond the reach of just good ideas. This is transformation that first, first takes place in us that we might transform the things around us. Don't be satisfied to know about God, but rather knowing about Him. Knowing about someone isn't the same as knowing them. While God knows everything about everybody, He does not know everyone. God can give out more facts about a person than that person can about themselves. And yet it doesn't mean to say, God knows you. The default mode is God-people in a relationship. Spirit, come. Rob, that was a good word. It was a good word. 
I think that for some, I want to encourage you that if that word spoke to you, that actually you need an opportunity to respond. What I'd hate to think is, is that I sat here, we did this amazing meal, you watched me make it, you can smell it from where you are, and then we go, amen, and then you leave. You, you need to come and taste it. Just like, the, what was the point of the ice cream? The point of the icing, ice cream is we have to experience God. We can't, you know, what was your, Jeff, your experience with the ice cream was staring at it. It's no good. He didn't get anything. Oh, but I'm, hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm being honest. And I think that sometimes as Christians, we can fall into that fact that we're sitting in the chair because we're sitting in the chair and our ears are open that actually we're connecting with the ice cream. We're not connecting with the ice cream. The only one person that connected in the ice cream this morning was him. He's a changed man. And I'm going to tell you this, that ice cream, ice cream brings him back next week. It does. No, I'm serious. It does. He's, got, he's been set for the whole day. He's just going to go, amen to ice cream. And so let's change the word ice cream. That's what God wants to do. God, this, 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 if this isn't happening, if, if this is our relationship with God, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. Your life is going to be unfulfilled. You're going to have all these issues that are just going to make you go round and round the, the circle. I'm going to be the guy that's going to avoid you because I look and I think, I can't help you because God can't help you because you're not helping yourself. What I want to be is, is I want to be like those examples that are in the Bible. Because each person that had an encounter with the Bible, they left changed. But at the same time, when they left changed, they went off and did something great and amazing for God. What I, what I, what, one of my biggest understandings was, was this, that the encounters that they had, I can have it too. Because I didn't realize that. And I didn't. I want to finish off on this. This is, what I, this is what I'm finished. If I, um, there's an A and E over there. If I said to somebody, what's A and E like? I would say that your, their experience and my experience is the same. They'd go, man, you spend a lot of time waiting. So what can then happen is, is then my expectation can be on what my experience is. Does that make sense? What I want to say is just because you haven't experienced an encounter with God, don't let that become your expectation. And we need to change expectations this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that actually he's got so much more for you and I. We don't have to wait till we move from this earth to see God face to face in heaven. It's not what he's after. I think when we, uh, as Christians, we walk in in that understanding and Hollywood helps present that as an idea. But it's not true. And just as much as God encountered those people in the Bible, I believe that God's saying, I want to encounter us as a house because when he encounters us and we become changed just like they were changed through their encounter we take that out into our city i don't know how many times i've been in a situation where my heart is breaking for people and i feel so powerless hopeless and i don't know what to do and all i end up doing is praying and that's okay but you know what i want more than that and i have to raise even though that my experience might not be there i have to raise my expectation so that the day comes and then i get the experience so that when i walk into a situation and two people are fighting that just the presence of god on me and the encounter that i had on them silences them that they fall on their knees not before me but before god and say change me and we change the community change the city and we take back this nation so what I just want to encourage people to do, go play, play, you play, is this just, man, if that's you, I'm not going to pray for you because, you know, I don't want to pray for you. 
uh, and I mean that in the nicest way, because it's between you and him. Does that make sense? I'm not special. I don't have anything special. All right, It's my aftershave. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you, if you want to say, you know what, where I am with you, God, you know what, I want more. All right, then all I want to encourage you to do is you just come out to, to the front and you just make it real with him. That's all I want you to do. And you don't have to. There's no pressure on. There's coffee that's going in there. But anybody this morning where you're sitting there and going, you know what, there is so much more, and I want to raise my expectations. I want to dream again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I really want to affect people. I don't want to walk in and just say words. I want to walk in with authority and power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God would be glorified. And I want to encourage you, just like Moses had to go out of his way It's okay to get out of your seat. Your seat will survive without you. Just come. Just do your thing before the Lord. Just do your thing.
is more of you All I want, all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you All I want, all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you All I want, all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you All I want, all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you All I want, all I need, all I ask All I want, all I need is more of you